0: listening to chug a talk with ryan murphy a podcast by pull made simple This episode is brought to you by Saucy Farm, and I'm extremely excited to announce a huge event that's happening October 22nd through 24th at their place in Wiggins, Mississippi. It's the first ever... Saucy Farm Sale and Polo Cross Incentive Competition. You heard it, the very first Australian stock horse sale of its kind in the United States, along with the first ever Australian stock horse only Polo Cross Incentive Competition. We'll also be having working equitation classes. There will be tremendous prizes and money to fight for. It's just going to be an awesome weekend to be a part of. Whether you have a First Cross or a Heritage Australian Stock Horse, you're invited to be a part of this tremendous event. Stay tuned for more information, and please save the date October 22nd through 24th of this year. Saucy Farm and Australian Stock Horses, the breed for every need. You can find them on Facebook or call 228-263-0930. Are you a Polo Cross-related business? Chukka Talk has a truly global audience. To learn more about advertising here, email me at ryan at polocrossmadesimple.com. Space is limited. Personal fitness is so important in the sport of polo cross. Although we can't all look like Stephen Harris, we could all be working towards our own fitness goals. I've learned through personal experience that having a community of friends that share their fitness and nutrition ideas and activities truly can motivate others to follow suit. A rising tide raises all the ships in the harbor. Please join the American Polo Cross Association Association's fitness community today on Facebook groups. It's called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. It's hosted by the APA's player development program and open to members worldwide. If you see Steph Harris, please encourage him to join for abs motivation. Again, it's a Facebook group called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. Get pumped. Welcome to this episode. I am so excited for you to hear Daniel Johnson and his discussion of the American Polo Cross Association standards of play. That's right, Daniel Johnson is gonna go through the rule book piece by piece. This is our former chief umpire, and he's extremely talented in analyzing our rule book and making it easy to understand.
1: Hello and welcome. My name is Daniel Johnson, and we are going to go over the American Polo Cross Association standards of play. My current on-the-shelf rulebook that I'm grabbing to flip through to talk to everyone about is the 2018 Standards of Play. Any updated rules since 2018 that I'm aware of will go through as we're going through the rulebook anyway. All right, on the inside cover, actually the second page inside cover, you'll see they say thanks to everyone that's helped write the book over the years, and then at the bottom of that page, for me it's page four. It says, please note, new or revised rules are called out with a gray vertical line shown in the outside margin of the page. And there's an example there. You get a new rulebook. You can tell exactly what's different from the past rule book or anything that's changed by quickly flipping through that rulebook. Um, one of the flaws, I'm the one that started this little black line thing. Um, because that's how they do it in aviation. I'm a pilot. It's how they do it for their new laws that come out every year. Um, one of the problems with the gray line is if a rule is removed, then you may not necessarily see a black line in the future. So um, maybe if a rule is removed, there's can be a little front page to some following rule books as the uh, as the rules change. If anything's removed, it can make sure it's noted in there for you. We're gonna skip over the table of contents section because we're gonna go through the whole thing page by page. But definitions are important. My page eight starts with the definitions. And the first definition is a 10-yard throw. Uh, this is kind of an important one. We might spend some time on this because all of these definitions are in here because they fixed a problem that we had. It, we needed it kind of legally to make the rules work. We needed a coherent definition for certain terms. And this first one, a 10-yard throw, says, A throw awarded to a player. The umpire marks the spot from which the ball is to be thrown. Uh, This throw must travel at least 10 yards in any direction. So a 10-yard throw right here is defined, and later in the book it will award things or refer to things as 10-yard throw without giving specifics of what a 10-yard throw is. There's only one other place that I'm off the top of my head, has any of the specifics of what a 10-yard throw is, and it's in the penalty section. And we, if you want to skip ahead, you can read what some of those penalties are, many of which require a 10-yard throw to be part of the penalty being carried out. Uh, They don't necessarily have the same wording as the 10-yard throw definition. And so in certain circumstances... Uh, there's a chance of conflict. We'll get into that when we get into the penalty section, but if you want to read ahead and find what that conflict is, call my dad. He would love to tell you about it. Um, Next, the definition of APA, which is just something I think they had to have in here kind of legally. Um, What a bounce is. A bounce is a technique for crossing the 30-yard line. A ball is thrown to the ground in a forward direction, and retrieved on the other side of the 30 yard line. Um, we'll refer back to this whenever we talk about crossing over the 30-yard line and and what is losing possession and what constitutes as a bounce when you can when can you get it back again? Uh, we'll do that when we get into that section if you'd like to read ahead. But we'll refer back to this definition here. Next, Chukka, the time period of play during a pull across game lasting usually six or eight minutes. Just so that we don't have to spell that out every time later in the book. Crossing a foul that occurs when one player crosses in front of or behind another player such at such a distance that involves the possibility of collision or danger to either player or horse. So this rule can be interpreted lots of different ways, but this is the definition that I refer to as an umpire or as a player uh, whenever I'm trying to decide if something was crossing or not. And the main part of this definition that I feel like is important is the foul happens when someone moves in front of or behind another horse that causes the potential for collision. So if you think there's a gray area and you think there was a potential for collision, then uh, you would make that call and it it is hard player or uh, umpire to umpire. Um, One of the people that might think in a different fashion um, will read this rule and say, well, a horse can stretch out this far forward and stretch out this far backwards, maybe plus just a little bit of a buffer and we can come up with a specific number of how far you have to be away to have those horses cross without possibility of, of a collision. And although that is really nice just on paper, I think the game is more dynamic than that. I think when horses are at speed, uh, if the surface, like if it's muddy or if it's slippery on grass or something, I think those change the distance that is safe or is not safe. And there are times where there's a speed to where the distance a horse can stretch forward and backwards is actually feeling really close and unsafe, uh, whereas that distance would be huge maybe working in the area. So um, crossing is one of the things I never was able to pin down to a definition that I liked. This is the best one that I use. It's something that would make my heart warm and fuzzy if some smart person could write down a definition for crossing that that accounted for all the different scenarios of crossing that are out there. Moving on, the quotation marks D, a semicircle with an 11-yard radius that is centered on the back line of the goal scoring area. We just can refer to that as the D in the future. Uh, Field, and they have it twice. A verb meaning to enter a team into a competition, or a noun referring to the entire 160 by 60 yard playing area. Next up, we might spend a little time on foul. The definition here says an infringement of the rules usually resulting in the fouled side gaining possession of the ball, being awarded a free goal, or given an advantage in position when play is resumed. So this wording of this rule, I think, is an older wording that we've had. And if I was to rewrite it today with the penalty section being referred to so much, um, and everywhere I go that I talk about things, I try to make it clear, at least in my mind, a foul is something in the rule book that sh- like a, a, a bad thing, it's a crime. Uh, a penalty is the reward for whoever you sinned against. So if you did something illegal, the other team would get a penalty. And here, in the definition of foul, I would say an infringement of the rules, usually resulting in the fouled side gaining a penalty. Oh. Being awarded a penalty, that would sound better. Gaining a penalty could be confusing. You can see how this, you can mess up real easy by just a, a one-word difference changes the whole game. So uh, when you find those, let your chief umpire know and he will fix them. Next, game, a match between two teams. Uh, later on, we're going to talk about what a chukka, a game, a match, and a tournament are. And I think in the rule book there are... Many places they refer to a game or a match that might mean different things. Um, so we will refer to this definition of a game later on in the rule book as well. Goaltenders, a person who stands behind the goal, just talking who a goaltender is. Goal scoring area uh, defines the goal scoring area. Line of the ball. Um, I wrote this definition, I think. Uh, or with the help of many others. Uh, line of the ball is a word that I when, I, when these definitions were being made, I wanted to take the words line of the ball out of the book completely. There are many cases where crossing and right of way, who has the line of the ball, uh, gets confusing, and wording in one area can be read one way and another way in a different area. Line of the ball was one that came from Polo, where the actual line, the ball that is traveling carries a pathway along it, and people are allowed to travel along that pathway by certain rules. Uh, Our path of the ball is likely either being carried by a player or being passed in the air, bouncing not necessarily in the line of travel that the mass of horses are going, which is where all the crossing important things happen. Is what has to do with the horse's moving and not necessarily where the ball is moving. So I wanted to try and redefine what crossing was or what 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 do we mean when we say line of the ball? If we want to take that out, what's the word that we mean? And the word that I came up with, or that means that, that the word that it means in my head is right-of-way. Um, and that might be because I'm a pilot or because I work on right ways all the time, but right of is what it means to me. So that's how I wrote it in here. Line of the ball, imaginary line that describes the players who have the right-of-way over other players. That sounds like a really confusing rule now that I read it out loud to all of you. But let's go through it. All right, so the line of the ball is an imaginary line that describes the players who have right-of-way over others. So what it's saying is if there's a group of players that is moving one direction that has the line of the ball, instead of line of the ball, what we mean is they have the right-of-way. If you were to cross into or stop in front of those players, they have the right-of-way to continue traveling straight. And anyone that were to interfere with that crossing-wise, would be interfering with their right-of-way. And if just in the future, anybody that happens to be listening to the rules podcast, uh, if you think when you say line of ball of the ball, just next time you say the words line of the ball, think if I just switch that out to right-of-way, does that make it more clear or easier to understand? Or does it even work? I think it does in the times that I've tried to work it. But anyways... Um, Just let's go over it one more time, because I think that's very important, and we will be going over this a lot, but the line of the ball will be referred to as you cannot cross someone with the line of the ball. And what they mean is if that person is going down the right-of-way, down this imaginary line called the line of the ball, you cannot cross the person that's carrying that line of the ball. Man, it's so much easier for me to understand it by saying, You cannot cross that person who has the right-of-way. Other times it might come into place or into occurrences is say, um, players leave the field and come back onto the field. And there might be something written in the rule book that says players that enter the field do not automatically gain the line of the ball. Um, I think there's a rule in there, something like that. Uh, To me, in my head it makes more sense thinking about it at least by saying a player entering the field after leaving the field doesn't necessarily or automatically gain right-of-way so it's saying that player has to give way to the players on the field man that just makes sense in my head so much easier and talking about crossing in the future that's how i'm going to do it hopefully it's something you can refer to and and it can help you or maybe it's just going to confuse everybody but Let's move on, and we'll get on to that later. Mark, or marking up, is a defensive move that consists of a player's horse making contact with an opponent player's horse in order to block or move the opponent. The midfield definition just defines the area in the middle of the field. We can refer to that area later. Overtime. In the case of a draw, the section who is off the field at the end of the game will start the overtime and continue to play on a chukka basis until the next goal is scored. Uh, Over time here, the only thing I can think of to bring up on this is we have a limit on the amount of time a horse can play, and we keep track of that by just how many games horses play. We don't really take account... uh, overtime and if you had multiple games go into overtime i just don't see a way right now unless the tournament umpires just paying attention to kind of keep track of making sure we don't go over the limit in you know by the end of the day if there are multiple overtimes all right the next one near and dear to my heart is possession this rule is newish um we added this When we added a rule from uh, some of the new international play, and international rules have it to where when the ball comes in, if no one, this is in a lineup, the ball comes in in the lineup, comes right back out of bounds with no one having possession, you just throw it in again. And even if it tapped a racket or something, if they didn't have possession, you throw it in again. Uh, When we wrote that rule, we saw flaws because people disagreed on what possession was. Some people thought, you had to have full control of the ball. And others might say, no, if you just tap it, or others, if it's in your net and you fling it out, but you might not necessarily had control, that would still be. So we made the definition the way that we thought it should be umpired so that people could refer to the book and everyone be on the same page. And in doing so, we needed to say what possession was, We said possession is in the net of a racket, and we'll see later on that rule. We said that the umpire has to see clearly that they had possession, so they had to see clearly that the ball was in the net of the racket. And if it wasn't clear to them, if it wasn't clear enough, then that was not possession because if they they weren't sure about it, then that was easy for them to just throw it in again. Um, We'll go over that again later, but next one up after possession is referee. Another new rule, or another new definition that we added recently, whenever we added the position of referee to the umpire team. Uh, This defines the referee as an unmounted umpire on the sidelines that supports umpires during gameplay. And if you're lucky enough to be looking at the 2018 standards of play, as I am, you will see a gray line on there, because 2018 was the first year that that we... had a rule book that referred to the referee and gave them duties and roles. After referee is a section, and it just defines uh, half of a six-person team consisting of a one, two, and three. The last definition is time off. It says, a period during the game when the clock is stopped, the umpire calls all times off. There are no scheduled times off such as after goal or foul. I looked at this initially and thought, man, I sure would have liked to say umpires, because right here it says umpires are the only ones that can call time off during gameplay. If the clock is to be stopped, umpires have to be the ones that do it. I would like to have put referee in there, but then I read back up to the referee definition we just looked at, and it says that they're just an unmounted umpire, so umpires here that are able to call time off includes referees. The two people on the field and the one on the sideline wearing the striped shirts can call time off if they feel like it's needed. Well, this first one was just a little taste. The definition section is very short, so I wouldn't mind showing you around the back side of the rulebook before we close out. From the back page, you'll see that there's several ads. That's what pays for the rulebook, and these people probably polo cross having so few members aren't getting a return they're doing this out of the kindness of their heart so if you can help them maybe get a return on their rule book investments we would appreciate it by checking them out if you have the need keep going before the sponsors we have a note section and my note section is always full of things as a tournament umpire someone will come up with a question that I might need to bring up or a rule that was unclear, and notes in my rule books often get filled up very quickly. The page before that on mine, page forty, is another one of the new rule book additions. And every rule book has a new set of contacts for all of the people in the APA, from the board, like the president and your uh, your zone representatives, to All the different people in the little committees that might help with uh, some of the foreign exchanges or the Pony Club liaison or website stuff. Anyways, all of those people's contact information are updated every year with the new rule books. And I don't have a lot of these people's number. I refer to the rule book often uh, to find that person that I haven't talked to in a while, but I need to call them about a question all right going back a couple pages for me page 38 and 39 are the umpire signals and these are kind of outdated but we'll go over them quickly and that'll be the end for a successful goal you hold your racket up an unsuccessful attempted goal you wave your racket down low side to side Uh, racket crosses center line of horse you start with your racket on your racket side and you hold it over the center line of your horse blatantly you don't wave it, you hold it across your horse. The player crosses in crossed penalty line, so that would be a, a player crossing over the 30-yard line, which I think we refer to things as a 30-yard line. We used to refer to them as penalty line, and this is an area that should be corrected. Uh, we should say 30-yard line in this part. Anyways, you hold your racket while your horse is moving forward. You hold your racket behind and up, And down kind of like a big waving bounce Uh, and as your horse is moving forward that shows that they carried it over the 30-yard line. Next is a dangerous cross and you will wave your racket from left to right in front of your horse's nose or this isn't shown in the picture but you can do the same thing wave it back and forth over your horse's tail and that will signal that a player crossed over the haunches of the horse or a player crossed in front of the horse. Uh, Grabbing your racket by the head of the racket and swinging downwards with the butt of your racket against your horse, kind of in the flank, showing that you're whipping your horse, is player hitting the horse with the racket. Uh, If you want to signal a wild swing or dangerous swing, you would do a helicopter swirl over your head the last one that they have shown here, which there are several that we really should have written down. We just probably can't find anybody to draw the pictures. Anyways, last one's a down hit, and that's like you're swatting a fly, your racket's upwards, and you swat down just like a very blatant downward hit. Well, thank you for joining me. We're not going to get into the penalty section or the main rules section until next time or maybe the time after that. But if this is something that interests you, I'm happy to continue until we finish the book. Thanks for sticking around
0: thanks for listening to this episode what a tremendous opportunity to hear daniel discuss our rulebook i think it's extremely important that that most beginner player can hear someone discuss it in great detail i also think it's a great tool for someone that's driving to a tournament wanting to touch up on the rules obviously that's a huge advantage if you understand the rule because it can definitely go against you if you don't and now let's hear some tournament results from around the world this is alex guzman of Charlie horse announcing his tournament results from the weekend of march 20th hey
2: ryan it's alex it's good to hear from you uh sorry it's taken me so long to get the results to you Uh, it's just been crazy since the tournament's ended but we'll start off with the e-grade third place went to charlie horse second place went to tennessee valley and first place went to sandy creek best player was brock wells from tennessee valley and best horse was fedex played by carly hall d grade third place went to sandy creek Second place went to Grand Bay Blue, and first place went to Grand Bay Green. Best player was Adam Dial from Grand Bay, and best horse was Miss B. C grade. Third place went to Charlie Horse. Second place went to Grand Bay, and first place went to Sugarloaf. Best player was Andrew Hatchet from Grand Bay Polo Cross. Best horse went to Trixie, played by Corinne Tant. B grade. Second place was. Uh, sorry, third place was Texas Texas Mix. 2nd place was Sandy Creek Red, and 1st place was Grand Bay Green. Best player was Jocelyn Upshaw from Grand Bay, and best horse was Lexi, also played by Jocelyn Upshaw. For A grade, 3rd place went to Tennessee Valley Red, 2nd place went to Tennessee Valley Black, and 1st place went to CPC Blue. Best player was Raul Desai from CPC, and best horse went to Kirstie Allen. Thanks, Ryan. Hope everything's well. Take care. Here on
0: Chuck-A-Talk, we appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. For more PoloCross coaching, go to PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. You'll find eBooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one.